is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. back to Revelations Radio News, or welcome to Revelations Radio News. If you've never been here, thanks for listening. Uh, here we are, beautiful little summer day in the sunny northwest of the United States, and we are getting, getting into the news. How are you doing over there, Andrew? Doing all right. It's a Monday. Took a four-day weekend, which was totally awesome. Took the baby for a drive up to uh, Mount Rainier on Friday. Oh, nice. It was... Like clear, you could actually see the mountain up there, which doesn't always happen when you go up there. That's so right. It was, uh, yeah, a great day. Yeah, it's a very, very pretty area. And now today I was back at work. So there you go. Well, same here. But now I get to do a podcast with you, Tim. So Yay. this is like super highlight. <laughs> the effervescent Andrew Hoffman, everyone. <laughs> There we go. To start off, I'm going to break one of our rules. Remember, we were going to read emails the first of the month or, you know, make them a little bit more regular. I, I, I have one I have to read just real quick. And that's, uh, this is from Jason. It says, hi, Tim. I'm not sure if how I missed this back in May, but I guess every day the torrent of news and information, things get lost in the shuffle, especially the stories that the mainstream media won't touch. Anyway, I got this bit of good news about Thomas, and he has decided, at least for now, to put off ending his life. This is an answered prayer, and I know that many are still praying that Thomas will be saved. When I emailed him to encourage him to share the gospel, he replied with such a kind and thoughtful response. I know that he has his heart. Uh, he has a kind heart, and I am praying that he will be saved. I'm sorry, but I missed a couple RN episodes, so you may have already covered this. I will include the link at the bottom anyway. Thanks for bringing this story to air. I probably never would have heard about Mr. Young had you not played his interview on this podcast. Thanks for standing up for the least of these. Your brother in Christ, Jason Aubrey. So, yeah, that, I thought definitely that, worth reading and, and timely. So, yes, definitely very timely. And we just covered it last uh, last week uh, that you know that, that he had 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 changed his mind and whatnot. But that's at least two of us that were praying and sent him emails that I'm sure he read them all. Um, but uh, at least two of two people that listen to this podcast he responded to as well. So I just thought that was. That was worth reading real quick, and uh, yeah. definitely an answer to prayers. And uh, people enc- are encouraged to, to keep praying for for Thomas. Absolutely, for sure. So, what in the world is going on in Egypt? Oh, you want to start there? I don't know. Where do you want to start? It's up to you. Well, according to the Wall Street Journal, which just threw up. Right after I put the story in and got into it the first time, now it's throwing up a stupid paywall thing. Describe now a dollar a week for twelve weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Why would you subscribe to that, that when you could subscribe to the Revelations Radio News <laughs> for a dollar a month, not a dollar a week? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hopefully we should do like a a ten cent a. A ten cent a podcast, so that PayPal can take eight cents <laughs> yeah, and give us yeah. two. PayPal would appreciate that. <laughs> and I may try and get a non-PayPal address, like to send 
P.O. box or something like that if people want to send donations See, that way. Give some money to the post office. Well, yeah, there's giving it to the post office. I don't know. Yeah, we, we talked about this off air, but... The, uh... I just don't want people to, like, oh, yeah, go sign up for PayPal. If you haven't signed up for them, don't. I mean, they are, they are criminal in many ways. Um, you get and th- I, there's, there are other options, but I don't think any of them are necessarily good. No, the cut is not necessarily that much better. And they're not multinational, you know. Where it's it's not like you can just start up a company and cross multinational borders and different currencies and everything like that. You you gotta you gotta be on the inside. You know. You gotta yep. be you gotta be hanging out with the capstone and the pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean it's like impossible for normal people to try and do business. Absolutely, and they're the only one. They're one of the only ones that like just crosses all borders. But just like a mob, they got to get their cut. You know. Yeah. And it's a good eight to ten percent or something ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Wow. Well, I'm trying to. You can't get your story to come up. Well, no, I, I got it because I, I had to go back to uh, the actual story. Google so. News. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I know. Shouldn't use Google News, but. Did you see the infographic on the size of the NSA? <laughs> no. It's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, that's awesome. It's not working at all. My goodness. I guess. Yeah, nothing's working. At all. Uh, nothing's working on your computer? No. So I'm just going to... We gotta get you on some open source software. Yeah, absolutely. I have a whole plan for you, as a matter of fact. Nobody's answered my ad for free. I'll take your computer off your hands. But I think that so many people see that computer recycling thing. It's just, they don't... It doesn't, doesn't bother them. It doesn't, they don't notice it. Yeah. Okay. Infographic. NSA is a billion times more expensive than the Stasi. U.S. agency would need a facility the size of Europe to store physical copies of information it will hold. <laughs> wow. Um, a stunning, and this is from Steve Watson at InfoWars, a stunning infographic put together by a German data company reveals just how massive the NSA's data retention program has become. In the wake of the Snowden revelation, eyes have been trained on the NSA and its almost completed new facility in the Utah desert, the, which we've covered on the show, I think, a couple of years ago, right? Or at least a year or so ago. Right. Um, the NSA's warrantless wiretapping program has grown in gargantuan proportions and now intercepts 1.7 billion U.S. electronic communications every single day. These, those communications will soon all be funneled through the top-secret $2 billion spy center, which the NSA has refused to provide Congress with details of. Comparing the NSA to the East German Stasi, experts at Open Data City in Berlin decided to visualize the scope of both sky agencies to make a point about how much further advanced the NSA is. The shaded areas on the left, and obviously you're going to have to look up, you know, look up infographic, NSA is a billion times larger than Stasi, uh, to see it, 
But the shaded area on the left shows how much physical space the Stasi encompassed in Berlin, then compares the space the NSA would need if it had physical copies of all the information it is capable of storing, which obviously, it's, I mean, it's all digital. They don't actually have physical copies, um, but it just gives you an idea, an idea. While the Stasi kept all its files in physical form, as revealed by NSA whistleblower William Benny, the NSA data center in Utah will be capable of storing five zettabytes. Or is it zettabytes? They, I, think, I think it's pronounced zetta. Zettabytes. Five zettabytes of digital information, which is five billion terabytes. They would have plenty of space wow. five zettabytes to store at least something on the order of 100 years worth of the worldwide communications, phones and emails and stuff like that, Benny asserts, and then have plenty of space left over to do any kind of parallel processing to try to break codes. Cisco quantifi- quantifies a zettabyte as the amount of data that would fill 250 billion DVDs. Open Data City notes that a filing cabinet requires uh, 0.4 meters square and can hold about 60 folders containing roughly 30,000 pages of paper, which equates to somewhere in the region of 120 me- uh, that megabytes of data. Given these facts, the Utah Data Center, if it were to store printed copies of all the information it can hold, would consume about 17 million square kilometers of space. The shaded area on the image below shows you how much space that is. It pretty much covers the entire continent of Europe. Yeah. In comparison, the Stasi Records Authority spanned a, a mere 200 kilometers at its facility in Berlin. Consequently, the NSA can hold nearly 1 billion times more data than the Stasi could. Of course, there is no need to worry, for the NSA vows that it will only target terrorists and extremists, just like the Stasi did. Wow. So that's that's pretty incredible. When you <laughs> sure. And on a related note, I actually, uh, there's a story, there's an article actually, I don't know if you're, you have your, your browser open, but go to revelationsradionews.com. Okay. In... Uh, yeah, I changed the website up a little bit, but on the left, there's articles. And if you click on it, there's one called Tell Allophone. And this is a Green Party politician, Malt Spitz, who sued to have German Telecom's giant Deutsche Telekom hand over six months of his phone call data that he made available to Ziet Online. And this is actually old, but it's amazing. We combine this geolocation data with the information relating to his life as a politician, such as Twitter feeds, blog entries, and website, all of which are freely available on the Internet. By pushing the play button, you will set off a trip through Mount Spitz's life. The speed controller allows you to adjust how fast you travel, and the pause button will let you stop at interesting points. In addition, a calendar at the bottom shows when the particular location can be used to jump to a specific point in time. So he... He, he willingly gave... He, he, he subpoenaed all of the data, and then he willingly gave it up to explain to people what was going there? on. And so yeah. you hit play on this thing, and it'll it shows him moving around and, and everything that he's doing. I mean, it's 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 funny because they're like, oh, they're not listening to your actual conversations. They're just listen, <laughs> they're just checking out the metadata. This is nothing but metadata, and this is amazing. Like the first day, if you hit hit it, it's uh, on the right. There's an explanation. Monday, August thirty first, two thousand nine, um, and. You can play it, and it's like six incoming calls, 21 outgoing calls, total time on the phone, hour and 16 minutes, 34 incoming text messages, 29 outgoing, 21 hours connected to the internet. 
and then you just hit play and you can watch him move around. Wow. Pretty insane. And yeah. the thing about that is, even if you don't have a smartphone, that data is all still available. The only well, thing that's so not there is the is the internet connection, and there may not be an ability to use a camera if you don't have video camera. But that's about it, really. Other yeah, than that, the, all that info will still be there. I mean, all the old, uh, um, you know, now the old, pretty much any cell phone that's out there. I doubt anyone has a cell phone that was made before they could be tracked. Sure. You know, or they they are required by law to be designed that they have to be able to track them. Well, to be honest, I think it's even worse than that. They don't have to require it by law. I think that the cell companies, cellular companies, all use the same SIM card chip, and that and it provides all the data you need right there. You know, the, ge- the geolocating and whatnot. And of course, it's to keep us safe if you if you dial nine one one or whatnot. But uh, yeah, and for a long time, the way you could get around this was by buying prepaid phones, and that's what like drug dealers would would do is buy these prepaid phones. But I bought. What did I? Oh, my phone broke a few years back, and I bought a prepaid phone because it was like pay two hundred dollars for the upgrade, or go buy this you know fifty dollar prepaid phone, and you know take the prepaid SIM card out and put my my regular one in and just use it. I was like, well, that's an easy decision. So I went and bought the prepaid phone, and I paid cash with it. I'm thinking this, you know, I keep the 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 chip in my back pocket just in case, you know, and anything goes wrong, I can you know use my emergency phone, not be tracked. I'm ringing out, and the guy at Radio Shack asked me for my name and address. And I said, <laughs> I said, why do I have to give my name and address? He said, well, it's policy if you buy a prepaid phone that we have to get your name and address. And it was just like, mm. and, th- and I think that was because, and I, I tried to opt out. Like, I argued with him and tried and tried, but he, he, would, he wouldn't go in for it. He's like, I literally can't go further in, this, in, the, in the sale if you don't give me your information. Wow. So... They quickly closed the door on the on the prepaid phones as well. So, so did you tell him your name was Kilk Timoney? Yeah, that's and right. Your address is one two three Main Street. No, no, no. I I just said my name is Tom Bionic and I live in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> there you go. So no, I'm just kidding. But uh, on that note, there really isn't a good open source alternative we've been talking a lot about that in the last few episodes but for phones yet uh but ubuntu is coming out with a new phone uh probably in 2014 it's gonna be open source so we'll keep an eye out for that other than that there really isn't a good smartphone option um and those will still give you all this data that you got here so it is what it is so the nsa has enough data to cover all of Europe if they had physical storage for it. And then uh, if you go to the f- website, click on the tell all phone um, article at the bottom. There's another link you click there, and you can actually go watch this thing play out. Did you find your way through that? To the link? Yeah, or just to the tell-all. Or to the... Um, no, I... Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. You found your... What? <laughs> I got it. I can read it. All right, go for it. Egypt descends into chaos. What's our What's our segue? Is that it? I just start. I have the article open. I can read it. Your internet connection's not working. Yeah, that's our segue. Speaking of chaos. Speaking of chaos and phone debt. 
data. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at least 42 people were killed. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and this is from a different Wall Street Journal, wasn't it? It's Wall Street Journal, India. Well, clearly, clearly a terrorist organization. Yeah. At least 42 people were killed and 332 injured in a gunfight between soldiers and supporters of ousted President Mohamed Morsi. Matt Bradley reports on the conflict between Egypt secularists and uh, Islamists. At least 51 people were killed and 435 Which, were injured that, that in a right gunfight. That That's right there is an oversimplification. What? But, okay. No, I got you, for sure. Yeah. I, now I got at least 51. It says it the same thing twice. At least 51 people were killed, now 435. Apparently they're updating it. In yeah. a gunfight uh, between... Yeah. A top Muslim cleric warns of impending civil war in Egypt as the gunfight between soldiers and supporters of ousted Pro- President Mohamed Morsi sharply raises the stakes in the brewing conflict between Egypt secularists and Islamists. In statements issued immediately after Monday's attack, the Muslim Brotherhood, which backed Mohamed Morsi, said soldiers opened fire with live ammunition on pro-Morsi uh, protesters as they performed the dawn prayer outside the Republic Guard. Republican Guard Club in Cairo. The group called the killings a massacre and called on its followers to launch an uprising against those who stole the revolution, a thinly veiled reference to Egypt's military. Military spokesperson told the Associated Press that gunmen opened fire on troops, killing at least five supporters of Mr. Morsi and one officer. The different accounts could not be reconciled. The death toll was reported by Egypt's state television. At least one soldier was killed in the skirmish, according to Mina Egypt's news uh, state news agency jilted by a popular military coup that ousted mr morsi from his office five days ago the brotherhood has been holding regular protests outside the republican guard club where mr morsi is thought to be held the past two weeks have seen massive protests aimed at toppling mr morsi counter protests demanding his reinstatement and isolated clashes between the former president's secular opponents and the islamist backers both sides of the conflict grappled to identify themselves as the victims of shootings. The Brotherhood emailed links to YouTube videos that showed civilian victims being carried away from the scene of the shooting in the pre-dawn darkness. Egyptian state television ran footage showing civilians firing handguns at soldiers and police officers while claiming that the soldiers in the front of the Republican Guard Club had acted in self-defense. As Egypt awoke on Monday, the early morning violence was already damaging the military-backed government's claim that last week that last week's coup answered to the wishes or answered to the unified wishes of the Egyptian public. The spokesman for the Nour Party, Nour, Nour, Nour Party, your guess is as good as mine, which represents Salafi Islamist politicians, was was the only Islamist group to back the military coup. Announced on his Facebook page Monday morning that it was pulling out of negotiations over government in protest over the killings. We will not be silent on the massacre at the Republican Guard today, said Nadar al-Bakar. We wanted to stop the bloodshed, but now the blood is is being shed in the rivers. We withdraw from all talks with the new government. Immediately after the violence, two soldiers were kidnapped in Ayin Shams, neighborhood of Cairo, according to Egyptian state radio. Adli Mansur... Egypt's new interim president, who was installed after military coup last week, announced that, by the way, this is not a neutral article in any way. Like, you can't, it's not only is it assuming, but it, like, to call it a military coup is still not even really known. I would say it's a military coup. 
Yeah, I guess it's true. It was done by the military. It was a very popular military coup. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, when 12 million people show up to protest <laughs> existing government, it's. I would say that's very fairly popular. Yeah. I guess it's a, so. It's a populist military coup. Well, I mean, they didn't. They know they don't like the government they've got. Mm-hmm. They don't. They didn't like Morsi. Um, but it's interesting. This happened. Okay, and I'll I'll throw in um, the Alex Jones take on it. Oh, good. Was uh, that you know kind of the the new world order or what have you um, didn't really didn't want this to happen. Like Morsi was their guy type of thing. Um, and because they want the hardcore uh, Islamist groups in power over there, the Muslim Brotherhood and all that, to set up the the full on you know um, war of civilizations, Christians versus Jews versus Muslims, you know, right? To have that set up. So, um, but the military, I mean, the military's those guys have been. Powerful, and those guys, by the way, were some of them were trained in the U.S. and stuff. So it's not like they're um, almost all the top brass went to yeah. school in the U.S. Yeah. So, but at some point, you know, to kind of so his take was that the military said, "Look, the people are about to take you down anyway. Um, you know." You you've lost control of the company or the country. You've lost legitimacy to rule. So we're taking over. And now the last time they took over, it didn't go well, and the people didn't like military rule, which they shouldn't. Uh, never a good idea. So it's I mean it's a it's a very convoluted situation. But the and, and one reason I, I think he's correct that this wasn't like part of the plan. Um, cause we didn't have Anderson Cooper cheerleading this thing from the very beginning. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't like, look, there's 10 people protesting. Now there's a hundred. Uh, oh, let's get the, all the Twitter and Facebook going. And yes, just, we stand with the Egyptian people, you know, the, the whole thing it was last time. Uh, Yet this was way more massive. Yeah. Way more massive. Right. Right. But and, was, and undercovered in the mainstream media, which does it, tell us something. It, it wasn't um, it wasn't covered until it had to be covered, until it was like on the edge of a, you know, <laughs> a, a change in in uh, governments there. Well, I'll throw, suppose it's changing. I'll th- sure, I'll throw a uh, another wild card in the in the mix there. I mean that that analysis does seem pretty. Uh, it does carry some weight. I mean, I think at this point it's kind of hard to tell it from any perspective, but yeah. Mohammed Morsi visited Russia in May 2013. Hmm. Just last, just two months ago. I don't know what that could mean, but, you know, the more and more it looks like we're. It, well, Russia, you know, I think that they understand that what's going on here in a lot of ways. I think that they understand that they're being. You know, that their interests in the, in the Middle East are being taken out one by one. And. Now Egypt, Egypt, and uh, and Russia have not always been like the toughest allies. You know, uh, of course, Syria and Iran would be much closer allies. But I think that they're starting to get hip to the idea of what's going on in the in the Middle East. And 
maybe they're they're also throwing a kink in the works. I mean, I I don't know. Well, I find it interesting that some of the Egypt, uh, some of the Egyptian people, you know, because I mean, there's plenty of people that speak English over there. They're carrying signs that say, "Hey, Obama." Your puppet is our dictator, <laughs> like you know things like that, um, and uh, you know a, a sign that said shows Obama saying we will not tolerate terrorists, and then we f- we will fund them under <laughs> underneath it. <laughs> so um, you know, I mean, there's some which also sometimes when you see stuff like that too, it shows kind of a. Um, CIA or NGO influence there when you see signs in English playing to Western media. Um, so you, you got to take all that with a grain of salt too. But, uh, and of course, but also if in the, the next part of the article, I did finally get it open. Um, old Muhammad El Baradi, uh, the leader of Egypt, of Egypt's opposition who was appointed vice president on Sunday night said in a tweet Monday morning, Violence begets violence and should be strongly con- condemned. Independent investigation a must. Peaceful transition is the only way. Okay. Now, he has all sorts of uh, Western connections. Okay. So, I mean, he's he's total New World Order, too. So, it's also a case of them what was attempting his name? to... Muhammad El-Baradi. Okay. El-Baradi. I think I've heard of this guy. Yeah. Because he, we, well, we talked about him before during the first, you know, Arab Spring in Egypt. Because he was trying to, to he was he was, hadn't even been in the country for years, and he came back and tried to, uh, you know, tried to make himself the face of the movement. Oh right, right, right. Yes, I remember that. Uh, yeah. That was the that yeah, that was during the first, the first right. revolution. Yeah, yeah. I so he's that. he's back, which I think could be. Western media's and you know the Western power structures attempt to kind of spin this forward and and control it. You know they want their guy, whether it be Morsi or Alberti, they want their guy in charge. It's I mean it's the same thing as Republicans and Democrats. Um, even if Alex Jones is is right that they hadn't, this was not the plan. You know that they wanted Morsi to stay in there at least for a while. Um, they're they're still trying to control both sides, or have influence on both sides. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, there's I, never any like good guys in a in a, in a if it's a political power struggle. There's no good guys on either side usually. I'll, I'll agree with you on that one for sure. Yeah. Alberte. Uh, born in Cairo, son of the late Mustafa El Dabra, during his career as a diplomat, international servant, and scholar. To prevent nuclear energy from being used for military purposes and ensure nuclear energy peaceful protests and the same for for freedoms that arose from the Roosevelt Institute, the James. No, he's he was part of some. Uh, Oh, he's part of a, goal, a specifically globalist organization, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. University of Cairo, 
Senior staff member of the IAEA. Yeah. Um, Director for so External Relations. This mm. article... <laughs> um, this article is from January 29th, 2011. Okay. So over two years ago. Uh, Mohammed El Baradi, globalist Pied Piper of the Egyptian Re- Revolt. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Soros and Brzezinski prepared to hijack the revolution. Um, let's see. Um, Holy, okay. In his last speech to the IAEA Board of Governors in June 2009, Alberti stated that the agency has not been able to continue to verify the non-diversion of declared nuclear material in Iran. He regretted, however, that Iran has not implemented any of the measures that they called for by the Security Council or by the agency's Board of Governors. Alberti said that he was encouraged by the new initiative that the United States is going to help engage the Islamic Republic of Iran in direct dialogue. This gesture could mean that... The IEBA Board of Governments and the UN Security Council have commended Alberti for professional and impartial efforts to resolve outstanding issues with Iran. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, so he's on he, board for, yeah, reactions to Alberti's role in addressing the nuclear program in Iran. Condoleezza Rice has said that he's muddling, muddying the message. Hmm. He, he serves on the board of trustees of the International Crisis Group, who today issued a press release protest yada yada uh international crisis group is a shadowy ngo that enjoys an annual budget of over 15 million dollars and is bankrolled by the likes of uh carnegie the ford foundation the bill of melinda gates foundation as well as george soros's open society institute <laughs> so he is um yeah he's not the answer this is I, I know it's going to shock people out there. So he's he's but actually the, the he's guy a, putting out the peace rhetoric, uh, sounding all nice and liberal, isn't actually. I got one better for you, but my yeah. friend, he's the co-winner of the Nobel Peace Prize in two thousand five. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome! I mean, those Peace Prize winners always promote peace right yeah efforts to prevent nuclear energy from being used for military purposes and to ensure that nuclear energy for peaceful purposes is used in the safest way he donated all his winnings to orphanages in cairo the iaea is being spent to train scientists developing and to just the iaea is uh they're about as uh hypocritical as they come you know they constantly go after north korea and iran for not signing the nuclear non-proliferation treaty However, Israel? What? however, there's another country about the size of New Jersey in the Middle East that also has not signed the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, but that's totally cool. They don't have any nuclear weapons, so... They just have as much as countries 50,000 times their size. Yeah. So, so that's the, uh, the, new, the new boss. If they can get him in. Yeah. It, it ain't looking but, good. But I mean, it's, it's like, I don't understand... It's going to be I, interesting to see how does chaos... Come, you know, turn into a political party, or how does chaos turn into a political group? Because mm-hmm. it seems just—they're already, yeah, they're they're trying to spin it and put it in a, a direction. But um, the Egyptian people—I mean, when twelve million people get out in the streets for something, see, because because Mubarak wasn't, uh, you know, feeding them fluoride and 
Um, I think he kept abortion illegal there, kept the eugenic stuff out of Egypt. So that's part of the reason they had to get rid of Mubarak. But um, so they were going to go with the you know the Dark Ages Islamic extremists, you know, uh, crucifying Christians in the street, um, chopping their heads off, stuff like that, and the people rebelled against that, which you know, good for them. Um, and uh, like they're trying to say, it, oh, it's it's the Islamists versus the secularists. I'll bet you a lot of the people protesting what was going on are Muslim. Yes, but they're not radical Muslim Brotherhood Muslims. CIA yeah. Muslims. That's right. But you can't be just a um, peaceful Muslim. No, you know, you have to either be a secularist. Or a <laughs> an Islamist. Same rules apply here, though. Ron Paul gets booed for for mentioning the golden w- rule, right? In mention in talking about you know our, our uh, overseas policies. Yep. So, so it's yeah, it's obviously a mess. Um, and I, I like how the, man, it, it bugs me. They do they do the same playbook every stinking time, where it's like. Obama hesitant about intervention in Egypt. He was the Camp David negotiator. As a special assistant to the Egyptian foreign minister, Alberti served as a negotiating team at the historic Camp David peace talks that led to Egypt's peace treaty and diplomatic relations with Israel. He began his UN career in 1980 and was sent to Iraq in the wake of the 91 war to dismantle Saddam's nuclear program. Head of the IAEA in 19... Oh, that, that's what that war was? <laughs> Oh no! After the after the war, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what the war is, according to them, but uh, I, I I thought it because it was because uh, they were each, the Iraqi soldiers were invading Kuwait and and throwing babies out of incubators and stuff. So. They took the babies out of the incubators, um, and of course, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're not uh, being cavalier with killing babies it's a story that they made up to invade iraq during the first gulf war that never happened it turned out that it, the, the so-called nurse from iraq or, or from kuwait was the uh kuwaiti diplomat to the united states's daughter yep and it, the whole thing was set up by a public relations company Shh, sh- shocking yeah, yeah. Alberti served as the negotiating team at the historic Camp David peace talks that led to Egypt's peace treaty and diplomatic relations with Israel, as I just said. Uh, so he's, you know, he's got a history of cozying up. At, 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 you know, that was the, that was the, you know, the negotiations. So I mean, he came to Camp David, and I'm sure, you know, was played a vital role in in creating the, you know, he was a made man as from that point forward, like. You're pro-Israel. You know, you came to the table to talk with us about how Israel is going to be able to continue their nuclear, you know, programs, and you're not going to attack them anymore. Good to go. Let's see if we can't put put him back in power. Yeah. Um, I was listening to the Nowhere to Run podcast the other day. It was it was an old one. I don't I don't know if he's put out a new ones recently. Um, a couple weeks ago. Well, maybe it was that one. So, it, I mean, it was it was like June. It wasn't like sure, you know, uh, months ago. But he talked about uh, the Antichrist and how the countries that the Antichrist conquers are all Muslim countries, which right. I thought was in, very interesting. Sure, especially when considering his 
hypothesis that the the city of Babylon is Jerusalem and not, you know, the Vatican. Um, you know who else says the city of Jerusalem is Babylon? Daniel. <laughs> no, who? <laughs> uh, or who interprets it that way? Who is that? Jackie Lou. Does he? Wow. Yeah. Wow. In fact, um, Babylon. So is this like is the, all from the book The City. That's where he talks about. He talks. He refers to it in other. I need to read his book on Revelation. He's got a whole book on Revelation, but. Um. But yeah, like Babylon is the city, and then Jerusalem was, um, you know, the holy city. Um, kind of foretelling or foreshadowing Christ, and then Christ. Basically, when Christ came, then Jerusalem um, became just another city until until the end times. But but it is uh, under the same judgment as Babylon and all the other cities. But hmm. it it will be um, rebuilt. You know, the New Jerusalem. That's pretty standard Bible prophecy stuff. But yeah, it, but that that's interesting that. Um, I'm sure they don't have the same take on everything, but that's interesting that that correlation there. Yeah, so. definitely. We got some other interesting stuff in there. Which one? What do you want to cover? Uh, well, we can at least mention the two that you've got in there. The school shot the thousands of webcam images of students. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think I may have covered this before, but it's always worth coming. Yeah, it's covering it's been again. around. Yeah, uh, but I think some of the parents sued, right? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. It's been around. This happened. This article is from 2010 from CNN Justice. If there was ever a uh, oxymoron, <laughs> uh, it's like the United States Justice Department. There you go, or the Bureau of Military Intelligence. <laughs> there you go. School administrators of the suburban Philadelphia school district wrongly captured thousands of images on accident of students' school school issued Wait, laptops. On accident? No, I'm total. I, I added that. They said they wrongly captured them. Yeah. At school issued laptop cameras, according to a motion filed in a lawsuit involving one of those students. But school officials in the Lower Marion School District of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, deny their actions were illegal and appropriate. Appropriate, although they have admitted that they failed to provide proper notification to the parents that they were going to be a substantial number of photos recovered during the investigation. All students at all two highs, basically, and this link will be in the show notes. But this is something to keep in mind: your camera, your camera. <laughs> if the government gives you a laptop. There's strings attached. Not only that, I mean that's obvious, but uh, oh, and stay out of school. Stay out of school. It's another one. Also, it's you know people think oh it's just a conspiracy theory. You, they can't you know look at your webcam just you know remotely. And it's just good to, to bring this up and mention it. I've mentioned it before, and uh, I think in light of the NSA spying and all this, the stuff that's been coming to light, it's good to remind ourselves that not only are they looking at the the harmless metadata. But they can actually remotely control your 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 camera and turn it on. Yes, on your and they can remotely control, like the microphone on your cell phone, even if it's off. Yes. So. 
so it's not a conspiracy theory. There was a uh, they the school district ended up having to pay out thousands of dollars in settlements because they had wrongly, uh, you know, captured images and videos of students at home. Yeah, kind of like who in the school administration thought that was a good idea. I have no idea. I mean, you've already got them in a, a government training camp for like eight hours a day, and then they want to do like, oh, it's a poor neighborhood, so we're going to offer after-school programs, so the kid will be here, and we'll have, offer breakfast in the morning. So we want the kids here from 7 in the morning till 7 at night every day. And we'll have it in the summer, too. We'll just let the government raise your kids so the poor single mom can go work three jobs. And... uh yeah, end rant. <laughs> Don't let the government raise your kids. This next one's from CBS Atlanta. Study of 17, or excuse me, study says 70% of Americans are on prescription drugs. Researchers find that nearly 70% of Americans are on at least one prescription drug, and more than half receive at least two prescriptions. Mayo Clinic researchers report that antibiotics, antidepressants, painkiller, opioids are the most common prescriptions given to Americans. 20% of the U.S. patients who were also found to be five uh, of U.S. patients were also found to be five to be on five or more prescription medications. The study is uncovering valuable information to researchers about the U.S. prescription practices. Often, when we talk about health conditions, they're talking about chronic conditions such as heart disease or diabetes. Doctor Saint. Sauver said, stated in a Mayo Clinic press release. However, the second most common prescription was for antidepressants. That suggests mental health is a mm. huge issue and is something we should focus on. And the third oh. most, the third most common drugs were opioids, which is a bit cons- uh, concerning considering their addictive nature. Nearly one in four women, ages 50 to 60, were found to be on an antidepressant. 13% of the overall population also on antidepressants. 17% of people in the study were being prescribed antibiotics. 13% were taking painkilling opioids. As a whole, women and older adults received the most prescription drugs. Antidepressants and opioids were most common among young and middle-aged adults, the exact people you'd not want to give it to. The percentage of people who took at least one prescription drug in the past month increased from 44% between 99 and 2000 to 48% in 2007 and 2008, the Mayo Clinic reports. Expenditures on prescription drugs reached $250 billion in 2009 and accounted for 12% of the total personal health care expenditures. According to the CDC, the percentage of persons using at least one prescription drug in the past month increased nearly 50% between... uh, 2007 and 2010 and the researchers said prescription drug spending will increase in the future all right tim go to youtube and and type in drug seeking patient in er and go down to the uh the animated one Good evening, Miss Frequent Flyer. What seems to be your problem this time? I have lots of pain. I need some medication for my pain. I need some Xanax. Xanax is for anxiety, not pain. I get anxious if I don't get any pain medication. What do you need the pain medication for? 
I have a history of fibromyalgia, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, temporomandibular joint disorder, chronic daily headaches, bipolar disorder, depression, migraines and a few others that I have seen while watching a medical TV show. Hmm. Seems you have developed some new issues since your last visit a few nights ago. Yes, I will need to get some pain medication or I will be adding a stroke to the list as well. Miss, you seem to come here for pain medication for multiple issues on a regular basis. Are you calling me a drug seeker? I'm feeling dizzy now my chest is hurting too. We will need to order some test. I will need an EKG, x-rays, and some blood work. Listen here doc, I have to be home in 30 minutes to get all nine of my kids to school and daycare. None of their fathers help out, and that is why I need pain medication fast. Miss, I will not give you anything unless I feel based on your test that you need it. Can I see another doctor one that will give me pain medication? You are so rude you have very bad bedside matters. Miss, your problems are not easy to diagnose unless we run these tests. Well, then, while I'm waiting, get me a meal tray I have not eaten all day and my stomach feels sick. You probably shouldn't eat anything if your stomach is upset. Then get me some Phenergan. 25 milligrams usually does the trick along with 4 milligrams of dilated. by the way. I also have a large red swollen bump between my thighs and my back hurts from an auto accident while driving under the influence. Miss, this is an ER. I could not treat you for all these issues you are supposedly having. We have a lot of other patients here that need real medical emergencies. I want to complain to your supervisor. I want to talk to the CEO. Miss, I went to medical school for 12 years and I have been a doctor for 20 years. If you think I am not providing you with the proper care, it is because you come here several times a week with different ailments just to get pain medication that you do not need. Miss, I need to know what your chief complaint is for tonight and we will get started. Well then, get me a cab voucher and a warm blanket. Don't forget my pain medication. I don't have insurance and I will not be paying for any services as usual. You never do. Make sure you don't forget, while you are getting me those prescriptions for morphine, oxycodone, Valium and Percocex be sure to grab me a personal belongings bag and throw in a wash basin, and a pair of those cute cozy little socks in it. Apparently those are big hits among nurses. They can relate. But that's all on accident, right? That's just that's just people being drug seekers, right? It didn't this wasn't any kind of big plan, was it? Um Oh, and the way they write the regulations that um you can get sued if you if the patient doesn't feel like you properly took care of their pain. <laughs> wow. Just cuz you don't think they need narcotics and they say they do and oh they put me through pain and suffering um like they they have to give you a questionnaire that says like did did the you know nurses and doctors properly treat your pain like and if you're obviously if you're in there screaming for narcotics then um and, and when my when my wife um had our baby they they kept offering like pretty hardcore narcotics <laughs> you want some vicodin <laughs> like you know i think i'm okay at that also are you sure but you know we've got vicodin so there's a listener to the show bill um i'm sure he won't mind me mentioning this because 
he you know he shared it with me numerous times it was something we could talk about on the show but he uh was from a small town in, in wisconsin that just became uh overrun with vicodin addiction vicodin and heroin or not vicodin oxycontin and heroin oh. addiction and he was running with the Which, crowd that that uh, oxycontin is heroin right it's yeah it's a little back and forth between those um, but he was running with a crowd that uh, was starting to get into it when I think I don't know his whole story and I won't I won't you know try and guess at what it was but it, you know he eventually completely breaks contact with them and moves away and just you know start turns over a new leaf probably you know ran into Chris White or something on YouTube but uh, and then re- it sends me every now and then he'll send links of his old friends getting arrested uh, one of them was arrested for for killing someone another one was arrested for like a a, a prostitution ring and slash drug deals that were going on. And I think that's actually quite common in the U S you know, with unemployment, the way it is, mm-hmm. uh, getting money from, you know, unemployment or welfare or whatever. And I'm not trying to tackle all those issues in one fell swoop, but it, you know, prescription drug abuse is something that's right there with these things. Absolutely. It's absolutely. Yeah. Right there. You know, in, uh, Eli Lilly and, and, uh, Pfizer and, and all these these groups, you know, they, they're the ones that benefit from people getting addicted to this stuff. You know, we've got to make make it illegal so that you know make other drugs illegal so that you can only use the legal ones, and then the legal ones you have to go through our special situation to get them. But once you do, uh, you know, it can be quite uh, quite a process, uh, you know, to get off of them. You know, and, and it ends up ruining everybody. Uh, experience with the healthcare system. I went in with uh, tooth pain. I actually needed a root canal, but I had uh, some decay or something that actually the doctor later told me it was one of the worst he'd ever seen. But it, it, it got all the way down to, like, the decay got to my nerve. And I went in, and I consider myself a pretty tough guy. I mean, I've, I can, my, my pain threshold's fairly high. But I went in and I just I, I just had my head in my hands and I just I didn't talk to anybody I just waited till someone came over and got me I was it was just terrible throbbing yeah. constant pain and uh, I just couldn't do anything like I, I didn't go to school I was it was a few years ago when I was in college I didn't go to school I didn't do anything I couldn't do anything and I didn't want to take drugs and I had been taking like ibuprofen and trying to medicate myself with it. And I go in, and I'm in, like, very, very bad pain. And the lady, like, thinks I'm acting. And she's <laughs> like, she's like, oh, you know, we'll get you an appointment at the University of Washington Dental Clinic or whatever. And I was like, well, is there any way you can give me something for pain? I said, I don't want, like, a narcotic, but I've heard that this one is a little bit more uh, strong. But it's not, you know, it doesn't have the, the narcotic effects. You know, at least clearly knowing something, you know. And I, I said that, and she says, no, no, uh, we can give you some Tylenol if you want, but that's it. And I'm just, like, looking at her like, I am about to die. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm yeah. not literally about to die, but I couldn't function. And I go home, and I had to deal with it for yet another 12 hours or something. So when the University of Washington uh, opened up the next day, you know, I only got, I think that day I had a total of 40 minutes of sleep the night before. I just, it was terrible pain. Tooth pain is the worst, especially when it's well, real bad. And that's the thing is because... Or, you know, something like back pain. There's no way to tell if someone is lying or not. Yeah. But, so, yeah. so I mean, there's there's that side, and then there's the the doctors that have just given in, and mm-hmm. they get the reputation that you can get pain meds from them, because 
if someone's telling them, oh, you know, I'm in terrible pain, my back hurts, it's I'm miserable all the time, there's no way to tell that they're whether they're telling the truth or not. My uh, my mom told me, and she's a physician. I she said that the the ultimate one is stomach, and we actually learned we actually learned that just recently uh, here. At, well, I don't even say that. Anyway, uh, the ultimate one is stomach. Because there's absolutely no way to tell. And there's so many things that are located in your stomach area. Like, everything. <laughs> like your digestive tract, your intestines, all of these things, your stomach. And once you say, there's there's just no, there's no, it's a trump card, you know. And, and unfortunately, p- people, you know, will get misdiagnosed. You know, uh, someone very close to me almost said was misdiagnosed and turned away from the ER when they were very, very sick and very, mm-hmm. very hurt. Um, I think I did mention that. So, uh, yep. yeah, and they were, and they were turned away and later had to go back, you know, 12, 24 hours later because they were turned away. Cause they're like, Oh, this isn't a big deal because people are actually hurt who are actually need some sort of treatment are being, you know, they're turned away because they're, you know, trying to weed out the fake ones. So anyway, the next day when I went into the, to the hospital at the, the UW, they were like, the guy's like, I've never seen it this bad. He's like, I can't imagine how much pain you were in. He bumped me to the front of the queue when he came to the waiting room and saw me. He was just like, "Oh man!" And he brought got me back there and they, they got it all fixed up. And but yeah, it's and so that's that's who suffers. It's not just the drug seekers, but we all right. suffer in this system because if we generally need it, there's someone that you know. Yeah. Did you hear any baby noises? I did. I heard Molly. Is she she there? Is she gonna? She's she's right up against the microphone. Wow. I was wondering. I was thinking, She's got some stage fright, I think. Really? Yeah. I was, I, who does she? What does she think's going on in Egypt there? I wonder. Um, she she thinks there's there's no good guys over there. No good guys. Yeah. She's wise. Wise. She sh- yeah, she doesn't fall for the propaganda. Of course, of course, she doesn't believe that all the people over there are bad, but she just doesn't think that any of the politicians that are come going to come to power are good. Right. The, yeah. The, there's no good side in the power struggle. No, I I agree. I agree. I think I think she's dead on on that one. She had a good walk in the park today, though. Oh, good. So she was she was out walking in the park. Well, walking or riding in a stroller. Well, mom and dad were walking. There you go. There you go. So. Well, on the sunny days, it's good to good to get outdoors. She uh, she reading already? Yeah, in church yesterday. I'd, Held, held the Bible up so she could read it a little bit. Yeah. She's just reading silently, though. She doesn't like to read out loud yet. No, no. <laughs> well, someday Uncle... Two and, a, two and a half months. Someday Uncle Tim will teach her not to read... How to not read out loud. <laughs> you get some podcasting tips from Uncle Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> well, does Molly have any closing thoughts for us? I think she's giving you a big yawn. Oh, I don't know if that was a. I think that's just because she just woke up. Not, not. Uh, well, she I, wasn't being critical. No, I, I think that that's. It's a typical listener just giving us a big yawn. <laughs> big yawn. So. Want to say anything? Oh, she's making some bubbles. Making some mouth bubbles. You know, weren't we going to keep her name? <laughs> Anonymous. Um, then my uh, my dad posts like pictures of her on Facebook with their name. So gotcha. Okay. 
She'll be, she'll be a radio star. Absolutely. Oh, there you go. You gonna do some talking? You wanna say hi to Tim? She can't hear you, that's the problem. Oh. You're mad because the show's almost over? You're sad? I don't know. No, it's not that. You're hungry? A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com. And thank you for your support of this podcast.